Welcome to the Life Academy Podcast. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Doug Pratt speaking to you for the Life Academy of First Church. On a Christian perspective, is America doomed? Part two. In part one, we examined the current place of America in the rapidly changing world of the third decade of the 21st century. Our country faces many global challenges, but also has many strengths and resources. The near future is uncertain and unknowable. But what about our internal trends and prospects? If America is not likely to soon lose its dominant position in the world, is it inching towards a collapse from within, as some prophets of decline have predicted? I will begin with the spiritual landscape of the 2020s. In my previous podcast, The Failings of the Church, I reflected on the many self-inflicted and damaging mistakes and blunders that self-professed Christians and institutions have committed in recent years, and these have furthered the cultural movement away from formal Christianity as the dominant religious viewpoint of the cultural elite and ruling classes of America. But the decline of cultural Christianity is not purely a negative for the true spiritual entity of the Church of Jesus Christ. While congregations and denominations and charities may rise and fall, there have been, and always will be, many who are faithful followers of their Lord. Just as Elijah in 1 Kings 19 mistakenly concluded that he was the only one left among true believers, so American Christians can mistakenly fail to see the great underlying strength of their invisible fellowship with one another and their Savior. When the cultural props are removed and the Christian faith is no longer augmented by social pressure, it can be a spiritually positive blessing. The church can be purified like a refiner's fire. Those who were only nominal in their faith drift away because there are no longer social benefits to claiming to believe. The result can be a smaller church, but one that is more dedicated and serious about living its Christian discipleship. The image that Jesus presented in a parable that the chaff is blown away, leaving the pure kernels of wheat, has been found to be true in other times and circumstances. It could prove to be true for American Christianity in the future. It is not an easy adjustment, at least not in the first generation, for people to adapt to being a minority when they once felt that they were the majority. Subsequent generations of American Christians who have only known life in a minority status will adapt more easily than those who grew up in the final decades when American culture still reflected the values of Christendom. The post-Christendom of today brings new challenges, but also new opportunities for witness. Just as a light shines brighter in a dark room than in daylight, so the light of the Christian counterculture will be more appealing to those who are finding a lifestyle of materialism and hedonism to be ultimately unfulfilling and empty. While the prevailing values of post-Christendom America will be secular, that is, not spiritual, 
the uniform American popular culture that prevailed for many decades, even into the 1960s and 70s and possibly 80s, is gone for good. We no longer have one culture, but a wide spectrum of subcultures. The time when there were only three national TV networks for entertainment and news has yielded to a time of near-infinite sources, hundreds of cable channels, millions of websites, and even the major social media outlets in cannibalistic competition with constant upstarts. In a truly diverse and fragmented society, evangelical Christians thus become one of many subcultures and must learn to think and operate in that way. Ironically, Christians can learn from the Orthodox Jewish community who have had the experience of two millennia of functioning as minorities while preserving their faith and passing on their heritage to their children. As American religion and culture are becoming fractured into multiple options, our politics are becoming deeply polarized into two nearly equal tribes, we can call them, or prevailing sets of values. The vast legislative and bureaucratic overreach of the ideological left has created many seemingly unsolvable problems. An open and chaotic border, dramatic increases in crime, economic inflation, local school conflicts, ballooning debt. Since the American body politic is essentially divided 50-50, a pendulum swing back in the opposite direction from that of 2021 is possible. The party currently holding a tenuous grip on the legislative branch by the smallest possible majority in the Senate may see that slip away. On the local level, American communities are becoming increasingly polarized into red and blue sections with fewer purple or swing districts. This results not only in entrenched divisions within the House of Representatives, but has also resulted in states and local communities operating very differently from others, depending on their tribal or ideological characteristics. One researcher identified actually several years ago this trend, which he labeled the big sort. As affluence and social mobility have risen, more and more people in America have the freedom to choose where they want to live, and more and more they are choosing to live in places where people are like them in political values and ideology. The tug-of-war that has been baked into the American political reality since 1789 with the drafting of our Constitution, namely a tension between control by the national government and states' rights with regional differences, this has not gone away, and the big sort will continue to tug the rope towards local autonomy, just as the federal bureaucrats do what bureaucrats always tend to do, which is to try to acquire more power and control for themselves. The court system will continually be called on to referee this back and forth power struggle. Let me speak from a Christian perspective. As an evangelical pastor to the conservatives in my audience, Most Americans who claim a personal relationship with Christ, which is, of course, the irreplaceable cornerstone of evangelical or biblical Christianity, would place themselves along the center or right of the current ideological spectrum. One highly controversial issue has become the tipping point for many. 
Support for abortion on demand with no restrictions, which the American ideological left has chosen to make their non-negotiable, even to the extent of driving out of the Democratic Party any who have pro-life views, has resulted, in my observation, an almost unanimous agreement among evangelicals who take biblical ethics seriously to move towards the conservative or Republican side of the political divide. Conservatives, to be effective in the future, I think need to become smarter and more strategic. And rather than attempting to try to take America back to our remembered and nostalgic past that will not return, they should focus on building a truly diverse coalition that cares about genuine rights and concerns while rejecting the false right to abortion. In a cultural irony that the news media have largely failed to recognize, Republicans have actually become the party of the working class as well as middle America, while the Democrats, once self-proclaimed as the defenders of the common man, have become the party of the rich, the bicoastal cultural elites of the news and entertainment media, and academia. Pendulum swings are a natural part of a de democratic country like ours, but they have become uh, more rapid and dramatic in recent years. Both Presidents Trump and Biden, elected by slim majorities, have made the blunder of pushing the pendulum too far and too rapidly, thereby risking overreach. There are certainly initial signs of mistaken progressive overreach as early as 2022, just one year into the Biden presidency. In a time of constant change and innovation, areas of society that once looked dominant and secure are threatened. New technologies allowing new sources of information are threatening the hegemony and control of mainstream TV news and big city newspapers. Higher education's attempts at censorship and groupthink are backfiring, causing movements to reinstitute campus free speech. The very industry of American universities, I think, is also facing the threat in the future of new technology, which will make on campus learning less essential. The out-of-control inflation of educational costs of the past few decades is going to encourage a free market alternative of more affordable alternatives to learning and career preparation. And the thought police of colleges and universities may very well trigger the growth of Christian schools, just as the flaws of union-dominated public elementary and secondary education have triggered a growth in homeschooling and in private and charter schools. The entertainment industry, once dominated by a few television networks and a few film studios, has been shaken both by the technological explosion of streaming services and by the COVID-prompted shutdowns of movie theaters. New entertainment options, like the Christian film series The Chosen, which is funded not by a major studio but by millions of small donors, may continue to weaken Hollywood's grip on what America consumes. Racial tensions, which exploded in 2020, will prove, I believe, within a short time to have lost their relevance. Our nation has nearly eliminated all vestiges of true systemic racism. And we are moving rapidly into a new reality of diversity. 
the generation of civil rights warriors who have largely achieved their stated goals will pass from the scene, and the backward-looking critical race theory, which disguises a Marxist class warfare ideology, will, I believe, lose its appeal for new generations. Technology is always a double-edged sword. It is capable of cutting one way or the other, capable of producing good or evil. We make choices about how to use what our continual quest for knowledge brings to us. Some 75 years ago, knowledgeable but not infallible experts predicted that the world would soon end in a nuclear holocaust and the extinction of the human race. That has not happened so far, and perhaps never will. We have invented the technology of mass destruction, but we have not chosen to use it. There are dire predictions today of an imminent climate disaster, but new technologies may prevent that. There are dire predictions that artificial intelligence will create an army of robots who will conquer us, but that is not certain. There are dire predictions that genetic manipulation will result in terrible consequences. Until now, frankly, that technology has been more for the good of the human race, like the mRNA vaccines developed through Operation Warp Speed in 2020, than it has been a harm. Looking ahead, I believe that the 2024 presidential election will prove to be as pivotal and as critical for America's future course as those in 1860, 1932, and 1980. Christians should be praying now for the right leaders to emerge. The toxicity of the political process and the relentless ugliness of modern campaigns has understandably kept many potential leaders on the sidelines. Who would want to put themselves and their family through that, many think? It will take a unique individual and the right combination of circumstances to bring about a positive outcome in that election rather than a damaging one. It'll take a unique leader who can unite rather than further divide our nation. Will that person emerge? Who knows? While past history does not infallibly predict the future, there have been some examples in the past of nations turning around from one course to another. The dramatic changes in British politics and society in the 1800s are a striking example. A dedicated group of Christians worked to overturn the slave trade enact social welfare programs, and reform that nation's morality, what eventually became known as the Victorian era, which was a dramatic improvement from the previous Georgian era that prevailed at the time of the American Revolution. Nations, we cannot help but conclude, can and do change over time. It is possible that those of us who are nearing the end of our lifespans will have lived through the golden age of the United States of America, that time following the great victory of the Second World War when our nation was most influential in the world, prosperous at home, and afforded the greatest advantages to the Christian church. It is possible that our children, grandchildren, and their children will live in a diminished nation with many more challenges, or it might be that they will experience an even greater golden age of America, making our lifetimes look a little bit more like a tarnished bronze age than a gold age in comparison. 
Since we don't know what tomorrow and the distant years ahead will bring, the most important question for us to ask now is, how shall I live today and in the near future? I believe that the generation of which I am part needs to recognize our current place in American culture and society. We are likely to feel repeatedly that we have moved to a foreign country, that our nation is not the same one we grew up in and felt comfortable in. If I were to move to Great Britain, I would be able to function by speaking the language and carrying out my daily life, but I would be reminded constantly that I am not in my homeland. Different words, different accents, different traditions. I would be conscious of being an outsider. This is what it can feel like for an American Christian living in a society that promotes or approves of so many different values than what we assumed were normal growing up in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s. As we live in America, as a part of the evangelical Christian subculture, there may be times when some of us will be put down or mocked or even persecuted by institutions of power. But being an American affords us an incomparable protection that Christians in other times and places have not had. It's known as the First Amendment. Our Constitution, thanks to the perhaps divinely inspired wisdom of our founders, protects us and allows us to freely exercise our faith without government interference, while also protecting others from having any faith imposed on them by government fiat or pressure. This is a great freedom. It's truly our first freedom. It is one that we must not be shy about defending and asserting. Just as the Apostle Paul was never reluctant to utilize his legal rights as a citizen of Rome to defend the church, so we should be vigilant and informed about our rights. Those who claim to believe in defending all diversity and inclusion must be held accountable to their own values. The Constitution is on our side to protect us. Finally, our calling as Christians is to serve God above all. We are ultimately and supremely citizens of his kingdom, no matter what government issues us an earthly passport. We love our country. We work hard to preserve it. We pray for it, and we grieve for it when it sins. But we worship and obey only one who is not of this world. 1 Corinthians 4.2 tells us, It is required that those who have been given a trust must be found faithful. The gospel has been entrusted to us in this time for a few short years before we pass it on to the next generation of believers. In the words of a contemporary Christian song, may all who come behind us find us faithful. This is Doug Pratt for the Life Academy. Thank you for joining us for this Life Academy episode. We encourage you to subscribe. And if you enjoy our podcast, please share it with your friends and family.